Have you ever had the thought that it would be awesome if you could be in two places at once? I've had the thought before, and, and you've probably seen a movie or heard a story, um, and in this movie or in the story, it's someone trying to do this. You guys have seen the movie Mrs. Doubtfire, right? Mrs. Doubtfire. There's the classic scene where he's back and forth trying to be two places at once. There's so many movies, right? It's just, it's all the time where there's this concept of, man, it would be so cool if I could be in two places at once. And it's really funny to watch these scenes, to hear the stories. It's just funny. It's entertaining to think about, man, it'd be great if I could be in two places at once. Well, I learned this week that uh, physicists, I think I said that right, physicists said, have been trying to figure this out. They've been trying to figure out how they can make some kind of physical matter be in two places at once. And they conduct all of these experiments where they've got like lasers and crystals and lights and cold and heat and they try and get one physical piece of matter to be in two places at once. I don't think they've succeeded, but I don't know. They're doing all these things, they're trying to get it to happen, and we're not even talking like, like in two different states or anything, we're talking like, like six centimeters apart. They're, they've got this controlled experiment, they're trying to get it to happen, somehow. It's just this cool thing to think about, man, it'd be great if I could be in two places at once. Um, I'm, I'm going to just go ahead and apologize, if you have OCD, this is going to bother you, alright? We're not doing session one in your booklet, go to session three, okay? Session three. We're talking about God's omnipresence. God's omnipresence. All right? The idea of omnipresence is really fascinating to think about. Think about being in more than one location at the same time. But even if physicists can get something to be at two places at the same time, it's not all places at the same time. And that is what omnipresent means. All places at the same time, ever present, present everywhere. God is the only omnipresent being. I want you to open your Bibles back up to Psalm 139. We're going to continue in verses 7 through 12. God is omnipresent, and David describes God's omnipresence in these verses. He's truly in all places at all times. Not only does God know all things, he is present everywhere. The omnipresence of God is much more than just a fascinating concept. The omnipresence of God, it should provide Christians with peace and with comfort and so many other things that we're going to talk about. But when you understand that God is all-present, is ever-present. He is omnipresent. It's a life-changing reality for Christians to understand this. So Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12, says this. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. 
if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Because God is omnipresent, you and I, we should be grateful that nothing will ever remove you from the presence of God. Number one, write it down this way. I just want you to understand that God is present everywhere. So I I want us to wrap our minds around the fact that God is present everywhere. David says, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? Of course, the answer to this question is nowhere. There's nowhere you can go. There's nowhere that you can go to flee from the presence of God. God is present everywhere, at every moment, in the fullness of his being. And this is a difficult truth for us to wrap our minds around. God is present everywhere. God is spirit. So he's outside of space. He's outside of time. He's not contained to the same limitations that we are. I do this kind of silly illustration with middle schoolers, but I want you right now to try as hard as you can to be sitting in the seat that you're sitting in right now, but also the one next to you. You can't can't do it. You can't do it. It can't be done. And it can't be done because you are not spirit. You have a body. You're a physical being. You are constrained to space and to time like the rest of God's creation. God's outside of that, though. God is spirit. He's everywhere all the time. Everywhere, at once, at the same time. He is omnipresent. John 4.24 simply says God is spirit. He's not limited to any one place. He's in every place at every point. There doesn't exist a place in the entire universe that God is not present. And that thought, it's, it's incredible to think about because there's some times where my body might be somewhere, but my mind is somewhere else, you know? Like, I might be there, but I'm not really there. I'm I'm somewhere else. Well, something like that, it never happens to God. God is everywhere in the fullness of his being. All over, omnipresent. Every bit of God is everywhere in his omnipresence. God's in heaven, the psalmist says. He's there in Sheol. If you take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, God is there. And what this is illustrating, heaven, north... Sheol, below, south, the morning, where does the sun rise? In the east, right? And then he says the uttermost parts of the sea. He's talking about the Mediterranean Sea, which is west of the Holy Land. He's saying God is there, north, south, east, west. He's all over. He's already there. No matter how far you go in any direction, God is there. God is immediate. That means that he is immediately here with us in our presence right now. He is here. He's here on the earth. 1 Kings 8, 27 says, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? 
Behold, heaven in the highest cannot contain you, how much less this house that I have built. This is Solomon's prayer of dedication for the temple. Right, so he's saying God is here on earth, he's, he's in the temple, but it doesn't contain him because he's everywhere else. Joshua 2.11 says, He is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Deuteronomy 4.39, The Lord is God in heaven above and the earth beneath. And like we discussed last night, he's not just familiar with every inch of the earth. He's there. He's present. Immediately present. You can't go anywhere on earth and be away from him. Not even the, by the way, it's 95% of our oceans are unexplored. Not even there. You can't go there. God's, God's there. He's everywhere. Omnipresent. And God is literally exalted high above in heaven. He dwells in heaven on his throne. Psalm 2, he who sits in the heavens laughs. Psalm eleven four, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. Psalm 97, 9. You are the Lord most high over all the earth. God is present immediately. God is presently in heaven. And he's not just here on earth and there in heaven. He's beyond. He's beyond earth. He's created the universe, the galaxies out there. He's present there with every created place. Job 38, 31 and 32 says, Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades or loosen the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth the Maseroth in their season or can you guide the bear with its children? Talking about constellations, stars in space. He knows it. He's there. He's omnipresent. And it's not that he just knows the mysteries of outer space. He's, He's present there. In his omnipresence. I want you to think about how deep, how vast space is. He's there. Omnipresent. Now God is present everywhere. So that means that he is present below also. The psalmist uses the word sheol. And the word sheol, essentially it means the realm of the dead. So the point is, you cannot escape God in life or in death. There's no place where God does not exist. Which means, that includes the depths of hell. He's there. He's there. He's personally carrying out his vengeance on the unsaved. He's there in his fullness. He's there pouring out his wrath on unrepentant sinners. Satan is not the one punishing unbelievers. He's not the one pouring out wrath on unbelievers. It's God. Revelation 14.10 He also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur, listen, in the presence of the holy angels, And in the presence of the Lamb, God pours the cup onto sinners. It's not Satan who pours the cup. Satan is not the one to fear. God is the one to fear. God's wrath is what you should fear. 
And now this needs to be reconciled with a different verse. The verse in 2 Thessalonians 1.9, it says this, They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When you look at that, you're like, oh, the Bible contradicts itself, right? Atheists everywhere are rejoicing. Ha! It's a contradiction. But when you look closer, it's not a contradiction at all. The word for presence, it's different in the two verses. In 2 Thessalonians, the word presence actually means God's countenance, God's face. God turns his face away from the unbelievers in hell. Those that are in hell, they're not experiencing any kind of smile from God. God's countenance is not lifted towards those in hell. They're not experiencing any kind of God's favor anymore. They are relationally separated from him. They have no shot to be reconciled, to be redeemed anymore. There's no chance. Because they didn't trust in Jesus while they were here. So when people say that hell is eternal separation from God, you can see the verse they get it from, but that's a little bit misguided. It's not necessarily eternal separation from him. It's eternal separation from his favor, from the opportunity to be saved. God is very much there, and he's inflicting his wrath on those that are there. God's in heaven, God's on earth, God's beyond. He is there in Sheol. He is also inward for Christians. For those who have trusted in Jesus Christ, God is presently dwelling in you. He's not just here with you, he's in you. John 14, 17, the spirit of truth, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Romans 8, 9, and 9 through 11, it says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. It's in those verses like three times. He dwells in you. If you have trusted in Christ for your salvation, the Spirit is dwelling in you. There's another reason why you can never escape His presence. Not only is God already at the place you're going to, but He's in you. As a Christian, He's dwelling in you at all times. He's not just with you in the mountaintop experiences in life, He's with you in the valleys as well. Hebrews 13.5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. There is nowhere, nowhere to go to escape God's presence. And as incredible as it is to think about the, the vastness of, of creation and, and how God is present everywhere, David's goal with this psalm here, it's not necessarily to get you to think about that. It's a byproduct. We think about God's omnipresence. He's everywhere. He's, he's big. He's all over the place. But David's goal, the emphasis of Psalm 139, is actually on the fact that God 
knows him, and he will always be with him. It's, it's a personal thing. He makes it personal. He takes God's attributes and he makes them personal to himself. He's taking God's omniscience and God's omnipresence and he's reflecting on how amazing it is that God is always watching him. He always sees him. He's always present with him. I mean, listen to how many times David mentions himself. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. Even if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light shall be about me. The light about me. Sorry, be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you, God. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. He is making it personal. He's directing this inward. He's reflecting on the fact that God is always with him. And and I want all of us to do the same tonight. God is always with you. Listen, whether you are a Christian or not, he's, he's there. He's omnipresent, but it Only if you are a Christian is he dwelling inside of you. We're going to say you can't can't get away. You cannot get away from God. He's omnipresent. And I want you to, to think about tonight. He is always with me. There's nothing that I can do to get away. There's nothing that'll separate me because he's omnipresent. So just like we did last night, we need to ask the question, what does God's omnipresence mean for me? And for starters, here's what it means, point number two. It means that you need to do this. Stop trying to run from God. Stop trying to run from God. And there are several different ways that you can attempt to run from God. I'm sure you guys remember the story of Jonah. Jonah and the great fish. It doesn't say whale, it says great fish. What was it that he tried to do, right? He tried to run away from God. He tried to get away from him. He didn't want to preach to Nineveh. He didn't want to do the thing that God told him to do, so he decides, I'm just going to pack it up and run. That sounds like a good idea. I'm just going to get out of here, and I'll escape what God's telling me to do. It was foolish. He thought he could escape God. He didn't want to hear God's voice anymore. He didn't want to hear God telling him, go and preach to them. Go and preach to them. He's like, I'm done, so I'm going to run. And guess what? It didn't work. He found that everywhere he went, God was already there. Look, so maybe maybe you've been trying to run from God. Maybe it's that you've been trying to avoid him. Maybe you haven't been packing your bags and physically running away. Maybe you've just been trying to avoid thinking about God. Maybe you've just been trying to avoid anything to do with God in general. Maybe the situation for you is that you, you know you're not a Christian. Maybe you're here tonight and you, you just know it. You're like, I'm, I'm not. I know that I'm not. And, and maybe you're thinking, I don't want anything to do with God, and so you're just living as if he doesn't exist. Or maybe it, it's come to the point to where you are fully convinced that he doesn't exist. It doesn't matter how you think. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how you feel. God does exist, and he's currently present with you.
So if you're trying to avoid the thought or the idea of God, it would be wise for you to give it up. Learn from the mistakes of Jonah. Give it up. I'm sure that you're exhausted from the running. It's, it's an, a mentally, it's an emotionally exhausting thing to do, to be trying your hardest to avoid God when you know that he's always there. So stop running. Stop avoiding the thought of God. Stop avoiding the thought of the gospel. Repent of your sin. Put your trust in Jesus. Maybe your situation is a little bit different, though. And I think maybe more of us are in line with this one at times. Maybe your situation is that you, you claim to be a Christian. You are a Christian. But currently, you're running from something that God is calling you to do or he's commanding you to do. Because you just don't want to do it. I mean, like, why does anybody run from God? Why did Jonah run from God? Bottom line is he didn't want to do the thing that God was telling him to do. He didn't want to go and preach repentance to the Ninevites because he hated them. He wanted God to destroy them. So he's like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to obey. So he ran. He was trying to avoid thinking about the fact that there was something that God told him to do. He didn't want to think about it. And there's sometimes we do this with our sin, right? Because you love your sin, you don't want to obey God. With whatever the sin is, with whatever it is, you know that it's wrong. You know that God's word says to stop it. You know that you should repent. But mentally for you, you're just avoiding it. You just don't want to, you just don't want to do it. Maybe you're in a relationship that God clearly doesn't approve of. Maybe you know exactly what God's word says about being in a relationship, being, being pure. But maybe you've come to a point where you're just like, I don't, I don't care. You're just ignoring. You're avoiding. You're trying to run. I mean, it could be any particular sin that you love. You just fill in the blank. It could be anything. You don't want to obey, so you just act like God isn't there sometimes. You ignore the conviction that you feel. You sit through church services every weekend, and you feel conviction, but you just push it away. Because you just don't want to obey. You're running from God in that sense. Maybe you're being too stubborn about your future. Maybe you're just being too stubborn. Maybe you've got your life all figured out. You're going to graduate with this. You're going to get a job in, in this field. You're going to get this kind of spouse. You're going to have this kind of family. You're going to have this kind of house and this location. you got it all figured out. But you can sense that God's calling you to something different. And you don't like it. You want what you want. You want the comforts of the things that you've been planning on. So you're being stubborn. You're trying to hold on to this idea that you had. You're not willing to obey you're trying to run. Maybe you've convinced yourself that, nope, this is what's from God. <laughs> what I want, that's what's from God, and you're pushing everything else away. I don't know. For me, for me in my life, that was me, right, with my future. It wasn't necessarily that I wanted to disobey God. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to disobey God, but it was the fact that I thought he might be calling me to do something that I was afraid to do. 
that I was scared to do. And because I was afraid, I didn't want to do it. And so for a long time, I pretended like it wasn't there. I just pretended. I just went on with my life. As soon as I was, I was a senior in high school, and I thought, is God calling me to ministry? And at the time, I could, could not speak in front of people. I could not do it. Shaking in my boots, could not do it. Because I was afraid, because I had this other idea of what I wanted to do with my life, and, and it wasn't that, I just ignored God. And it, did, it didn't work. Because I was, I was trying to continue on in my relationship with Jesus like nothing was wrong. I was trying to wake up in the morning and read my Bible and spend time in prayer and go to church and, and worship him. I was, try, I was pretending like everything was fine, but really deep down I knew that I was running from something he was trying to tell me to do. And I thank God all the time that he didn't just let me go. He didn't just hand me over. Because I found that I can't run from God. So maybe that's you. I don't know. The point is, God is always present. So there's no use in trying to avoid him. There's no use in trying to run from him. There's no use in ignoring him. Running from God is always self-serving. It's selfish. It's done out of selfish motives. And you shouldn't do it. You should just admit, along with King David, that there's nowhere you can go from God's presence. And much like with God's omniscience, God's omnipresence, it can motivate you to obedience. It should motivate you to obedience because it's, it's convicting to think that God is always present with you. It's not just convicting, though. It's comforting. And that's what I want to focus on. Point number three, I want you to be comforted by God's constant presence. Like King David was doing. And he was saying, God, you're with me all the time. I can never get away from you. There's nothing I can do to get away from you. He, he found comfort in that. He says, even there, even at the uttermost part of the sea, even as far away as I can go, there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. God's constant presence is good news. It is good news for Christians. It's a wonderful thing. It's an amazing thing and we should all be grateful for God's constant presence. God's presence brings courage, brings assurance and boldness and confidence and strength and peace and joy and protection and guidance. We see this all through his word. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. God's presence with you, brings you strength and comfort and courage. The presence of God in your life means that you don't have to fear. You should never fear anything because God is with you. He's dwelling in you. So you shouldn't fear. When you're worried, when you're anxious, when you're upset, when you're afraid, just remember 
God is present with you. He is dwelling in you. No, this is something that you hear a lot. He's always with you. He's always with you. Again, like I know that I'm not saying anything that's revolutionary. I know you didn't hear me say that and go, wow, I didn't know that. But I want us to think about it deeply. God's omnipresence, it should practically make a difference in our lives if we claim to follow Jesus. Every single day it should make a difference in our lives. Again, look, rather than just knowing the fact, you need to make it personal. Turn it inward. Think about it. It's personal. God, who promises to provide for the needs of his children, this, that same God is always with you. He's ever-present with you. He's always in you. So when fear comes, think to yourself, why am I afraid? What am I afraid of? I have the almighty, the ever-present God dwelling in me. So what do I have to fear? It's another reason why it's so important for Christians to be familiar with Scripture. Get familiar with God's Word. It's all over the place. Psalm 34.4. Why don't you write these down as I say them? I'm going to go kind of fast. Psalm 34.4. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 23.4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He's thinking about God's presence. He's saying, you are with me, and I'm comforted, God, because you are with me, so I will not fear. Psalm 56, 3 and 4, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? He's saying, what can another person do to me? I have nothing to fear because God is with me. Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 46, 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Look, God is with you. He's present with you. No matter what happens, you have nothing to fear. And we could go on and on looking at so many more verses that tell God's children not to fear. Because he's with you. When, you're, when you fear, when you're afraid, when you are worried, when you're anxious, whatever it may be, you need to remember that God's word says, do not fear. He says, hey, I'm with you. So now, do not fear. That's why we don't fear. Because he's with us. Because he is with you. Now listen. I, I know, I know a lot of times it feels like no one is there. I get it. That sometimes your feelings can feel so real that you may feel lonely, you may feel that nobody's there, that nobody, that nobody loves you. You may feel that, and it may feel so real to you. I get it. 
But that's, again, why you have to be familiar with Scripture. Because when you're in the throes of, of feeling lonely, whether it's depression, whether, whether you're just angry or sad or disappointed, whatever it may be, when you feel these intense feelings, you just have to know that those feelings are a lie. And you have to trust that what God's word says is true and that he is with you. So do not fear. When you feel lonely and afraid, you need to meditate on these verses. You need to think about what God's word says. I mean, King David says, even, even when you're in darkness, God is with you. Darkness isn't dark to God. It's as bright as the day. He always sees you. He's always with you in darkness and light. So, so when, whenever you're feeling afraid, whenever you're feeling these things, read these verses out loud. I mean, do whatever it takes to remind yourself about what God's word says. That he is always with you. That he's never left you. That he's not going to leave you. God's presence, it brings boldness to Christians. Christians can be bold because God is with you. God commands us. It's a command to be sharing the gospel with people who are lost. But what's the number one reason why Christians don't share the gospel? Fear. I'm afraid of what people are going to think of me. I'm afraid I'm not going to have the words to say. I'm afraid I'm just, going to, I'm just going to freeze up and I'm going to look dumb. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. But God's presence brings boldness to Christians. You'll find yourself in situations at times where you're talking about the gospel and everyone around you is against you. Everyone around you is telling you that you're stupid, that you need to shut up, that you need to go away. And it's in those moments that God's presence becomes very, very real. And he gives boldness to his children. God's presence will give you the courage that you need. Acts 1.8, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Acts 9.28, so he, that's, being, that's Paul, he went in and out among them at Jerusalem preaching boldly. In the name of the Lord. I mean, if you, if you, if you want to read about a guy who was bold, just read the book of Acts. Read about, read about Paul. You, you know what I'm talking about. He was, he was a guy. He was a normal dude. Right? I'm sure there were times where he was out of his mind afraid. You know the time when he was, like, he was stoned almost to death? It was so bad that they thought he was dead, so they left him there. And they walked off like, all right, we're, he He died. Right? You know how afraid he probably was? But do you remember what he did after he gained consciousness? He stood up, he walked to the next city, and he kept preaching the gospel. It's because of God, because of God's presence in his life, it was giving him boldness. Look, and you can have that boldness. God's presence gives the boldness. So when you're tempted to fear, when, when you're tempted to back down from sharing the gospel, whenever, whenever you're tempted to think, I'm going to go to my classes, I'm going to keep my mouth shut, I'm going to get this degree, and everything's going to be fine. 
God's presence gives boldness, gives courage to share the gospel. God's presence brings you the strength to carry on when you think you just can't do it anymore. Isaiah 40, 29, he gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. When you feel no more motivation to keep going, when you feel no more, when you're like, that's it, I can't do it anymore, God gives you the strength to carry on. He gives you strength. When you have no might, he gives you his own. Don't you think about that? When you get to the place where you're going, I can't, I can't go anymore. I can't do this anymore. God's presence, he, he says, okay, here's, here's my, I'm giving you my strength. This isn't about you and your strength. This is God's presence. He's giving you his own strength to move forward, to keep going. God's presence brings joy when you're at your lowest. When you're at your lowest, the, the lowest moment that you've been at, you can still have joy in that moment because of God's presence in your life. Psalm 1611, in your presence there is fullness of joy. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You're always in God's presence. You're always in God's presence. So in God's presence, there's fullness of joy. So when you find yourself at your lowest point, God's presence brings you joy. When the world will, could look at your life and be like, what? how are you even doing that? Like, why don't you just give up? Like, I don't understand. Like, your life looks like it really sucks. Like, how do you even do this? How are you going? How are you so happy? Because in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. Even when you suffer, even when you're suffering, in God's presence there is the fullness of joy. God never leaves you. He never forsakes you. So when you're at your lowest, you need to remember that God still dwells in you, that you're sealed in him. That no matter what happens to you, nothing can ever take away the fact that God is dwelling in you and you can never be separated from him. Even when this life brings nothing but trials. Even when you look around and all you can see is, wow, this is hard. My life is hard. I'm not enjoying what's happening to me right now. You can look around and you can rejoice. Because you have something far greater than this life that's promised. You're promised God's very presence right now. But you're also promised his presence eternally in heaven. In his presence, there's always joy. God's presence is protecting you. Psalm 91.4 says, He will cover you with his pinions. It's like wings. And under his wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. He protects you with his presence. Only what God allows to harm you will harm you. The suffering that you face... The only way, the only reason that it could even happen in the first place is because God allowed it. 
He's protecting you with his presence. Nothing will touch you unless God allows it. And that's comforting. He's protecting you. King David says that in God's, God's presence, he's, he's guiding you in these, and he's holding you. Psalm 139.10, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. His presence is leading you. He doesn't ever leave you to your own devices to figure out what to do next. Every step of your life, everything that you do, every decision there is to be made is leading you. I mean, we should be praying, right? You pray, Lord, show me what to do. Give me wisdom. Help me. He's going to answer the prayer. He promises to be with you, to lead you, to guide you, and to hold you. His hands are always holding you. When your life is nuts, when your life is crazy, when nothing makes sense, when you feel like you could just be like, you know what, I'm done. I don't get it. I don't get why these things keep happening. God hasn't lost control. He hasn't set you down and left you on your own. He is always holding you in his hands. When nothing in life seems secure, God is still holding you. So as a Christian, you're always secure. You're always secure. Because God is holding you. And God's presence brings peace. Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when you need peace, God's presence brings peace. And I think that a lot of you have experienced this before. God's peace is so strong that your mind, you won't even get it. You won't even, you won't even know. You won't even know how you're at peace with certain things. Because it's the peace that surpasses all understanding. Only Christians have that peace. You can only have that peace as a child of God. As a child of God, you're always in God's presence, so you can always have that peace. And by reflecting on God's attributes, on his omnipresence, this is how our minds become convinced of this, that it's true, that no matter what is going on, God is with me, and I can have peace in my current situation. I can have joy in my situation, even though it's not good. I can have joy. I can be at peace because he's holding me. He's guiding me. He hasn't left me. He's never going to leave me. There's nothing that I could do. I could run to the other side of the earth, and he would still be there because he's already there, but he's always in me, dwelling in me. God's presence is one of the most comforting of all his attributes. So I want you, I want you to not, I want you to be comforted. I want you to think about this and just, and just think, I, I'm comforted by this. If you're going through something difficult, which probably a lot of us are, I want you to be comforted. I want you to think about, he is with you always. And be comforted by the peace that it brings. I want you to be challenged through your situations to say, in the presence of God, there is the fullness of joy. 
So even when I'm in a bad situation, how can I still be joyful? You, you, you can be. You should be. Because in his presence is the fullness of joy. Every day. Every day we should wake up and remind ourselves, God is with me today. No matter what comes my way today, no matter what happens to me today, God has not lost control. He hasn't turned his back on me. He hasn't left me. He hasn't forsaken me. He is with me. And whenever we wake up in the morning and we think this, again, I think, I think it should practically change the way that we live as Christians. Sometimes, even Christians, we live and we act like God isn't there, that God has lost control. That should never be us. We should be the ones that are just a living, constant testimony to non-believers that I can have peace in every situation. I can have joy in every situation. Because God is present with me. He's present with me always. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. God, thank you that you are always with us. You are always here. God, help us all to remember that no matter what is going on, that you're with us. God, I pray for everyone who has put their trust in you we would all be reminded that you are not just present with us, but you are dwelling in us. That your presence should bring us peace and comfort and joy. God, remind us that we can never run from you. That if we're trying to run, if we're trying to ignore and avoid you, I pray that we would repent. God, let this truth of who you are, let this attribute of yours change our lives. Let all of your attributes make a daily difference in our lives because of how wonderful and how amazing you are. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.